Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. I don't want to take any of the time tonight. We do have a special guest. I'm really excited. Uh, I've known uh, our guest, Pastor John George, uh, for a number of years. We're always around different meetings together. He had a relationship with my my parents and a lot of people in ministry that are mentors to me. And uh, I'm trying to say things that's like saying, not making it sound like you're a lot older than I am. I, I hope I'm doing okay or something, right? So I, I was just a little boy and uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but uh, I always respected his ministry. He pastors a church in Plainview, Texas, but his heart is such that he's always out in Investing into other pastors. He's, he has a lot of time there, uh, obviously uh, pastoring his church. He's got a great team and family, but I appreciate that he takes time away and goes and speaks in the lives of other pastors and churches really around the world. And so uh, God really uses him in a powerful way in that way. And so we're really blessed tonight to have uh, Pastor John with us. So let's give a big welcome to Tree of Life. A shout out to him as he comes to share the word. Hallelujah. Good evening. It's been a while since I've been here. I've never, this is my first trip here at this property. I was at the other property a couple of different times, but it's great to be here. Thank you, Pastor Don, for the opportunity. And uh, we'll get right into the word in just a moment. But bef- before I do, there's a resource table out there I want you to avail yourself to because there's no way in one service in the time that I have here today that uh, I could communicate everything that I would like to communicate to you. Every guest minister has a series on the power of words, but this is the best one. The power of words. You know, the Bible says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. They that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. We've heard all of our lives growing up that you're going to eat those words someday. Those words are going to come back to haunt you, but why not flip that over and say, my words are going to come back to bless me. Amen. Amen. So not only in this series, this started out as one, one tape many, many years ago. We converted it to, we digitized it over to CD and now MP3 as well, but we don't have any MP3s out there now. But uh, it's morphed into four CDs. And uh, we've added one from my wife as well, which she's a tremendous Bible teacher. And uh, this will really bless you because not only do we find some things in the word of God about our mouth and our tongue and why it's so important. Our words are very vital. Some people say, well, words aren't that big a deal. It's just semantics. That's right, you idiot. Words aren't that big a deal, you stupid ignoramus. Whoa. Who you calling what? No, words are a big deal. Amen. Words either build up or tear down. Words either create or they destroy. Words are very powerful. powerful. Jesus said this, he said, by thy words thou art justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. How many have ever served in jury duty? Yeah, words are important in a court of law. True, words are vital, they're necessary. So we not only discover what words mean regarding the scriptural premise, but also even naturally. Science is now discovering that our words never die. They go into the ether or the atmosphere and they never die. That's why your neighbor might not be able to hear you, but your neighbor's dog can hear you because your words didn't stop at your bedroom. Your words didn't stop on your porch. It went to the neighbor's yard, amen? And that, that's also why this time of year you don't take anybody deer hunting with you that's a blabbermouth. Isn't that true? Don't lift your hand. But anyway, somebody like to have this series over here? Anybody? Well, look at that. 
If you snooze, you lose. Very, very quick. And then this is a brand new series. In fact, this is the first, first of my meetings uh, that, that I've had this series. It's called Jesus, the high priest of our words. It's a little different premise, but how Jesus, the Bible says, he hastens to watch over his word to perform it. Amen. So Jesus is our high priest. He's our, he's our advocate. He's the one that goes to God on our behalf as our high priest, right? So he takes our words and takes them to God. Wow. Wow. So it's important that our words are the right kinds of words. This is kind of different. This is kind of different than that one, but this is still powerful. Somebody over here like to have this brother. Can I throw it at you? All right. I'm sorry in the cheap seats. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I can't reach you tonight. Uh, and then this is called your identity determines your authority. How many know you can identify with many things but you only have one identity? And in that identity comes your authority. That's why you, even the, my dad was a professional rodeo cowboy and he's in the Texas Rodeo Cowboy Hall of Fame. He's in the National Cowboy Hall of Fame in Oklahoma City. He's in the Rodeo Cowboy Hall of Fame in Colorado Springs. He's a real cowboy, he was raised on a ranch. So my brother and I, we came up as cowboys. Therefore, Gospel Bill, you know, all those kinds of things. You, you know, you, you do the math very quickly, you can figure it out. It wasn't by accident that, that we were cowboys. But even though my brother and I identify with cowboy, we don't want cowboy to be our identity. I want my identity to be in Christ because there is where I have unlimited authority. Cowboys have limited authority. I played high school football with the, the team in West Texas where they wrote the book and the movie Friday Night Lights, Odessa Permian. We won state several times. And I identify with high school football. I identify with the University of Houston Cougars where I played. I identify with those, but my identity's not there. My identity's in Christ. Amen. 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 Somebody over here, over here, over here in this section. Can you help me, sir? Yes, sir. That lady on the second row right there in the Navy. Actually, I, actually it was gonna be the next one, but ma'am over there, you refer, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you something afterward. Have you got your Bible tonight? Turn to Romans chapter 10. Turn to Romans chapter 10. Well, what verse? Well, do you just be led and see if you heard from the same Holy Spirit? No, I'm just teasing. How many of you, how many of you have or have had children in your home? All right, most of us. You know, children are tenacious. Children don't give up easily, do they? You know, we have two children, now we have five grandchildren, actually one in the womb on the way, we have six really. So, uh, you know, but they all have different personalities and our children, our oldest was, was compliant, our youngest was very strong-willed and um, neither one of them gave up easily though. So I'm reminded of this story, of this mom, she put her children to bed but her third grader He's a little more strong-willed. And he'd gotten a drink of water, gone to the restroom, she prayed with him, turned out the light, she's back in the kitchen and mom's work is never done. 
and she's just preparing and cleaning up from the, from the evening and preparing for the next day. Mama, what? Can you please bring, bring me a drink of water? No, you've already had a drink of water, go to sleep. Yes, ma'am. A few minutes later, she's, she's clean. Mama, what? Can you please bring me a drink of water? You know, they, they get real dramatic. <laughs> no, you've already had a drink of water. I've told you already, go to sleep. If you ask me again, I'm gonna come in your room with a paddle. Yes, ma'am. She's just about finished, about 10 minutes later. Mama! What? When you come spank me, will you please bring me a drink of water? <laughs> you know, kids don't give up. You know what? Our Heavenly Father wants us to be the same way. You know, God made our children to be tenacious. God made our children to be desirous. You know, children are the epitome of you have not because you ask not. Kids have no scruples about asking for stuff. <laughs> there are some of you men and ladies in this church and you know, you know that kids are not afraid to come up and ask you for gum or mints because you've handed them out before. And so they've pegged you, they've, you are known as the candy man. You are known as the gum lady. And they're not, they're, they're not sneaky, they're not intimidated, they're bold, aren't they? Got some gum, got some candy? We should be the same way with our God. You know that God wants us to ask him for things, God wants us to go before him, God wants us to ask for wisdom, right. amen? Right. Yeah. And what I wanna talk to you about tonight has a lot to do with our passion and our desire, but about his word. Romans chapter 10, verse three. I don't know what version you're in, but I've asked them to put up the Amplified on the screen and we'll look at it, it says, for being ignorant of the righteousness that God ascribes. Now let me, let me stop right there. You know, all of the Bibles that were translated, none of them were translated in Texas. They misspelled ignorant. You know that it's spelled like this. And I hope the screen, I hope the camera can pick this up, but you know it's ignorant. <laughs> you know very well that's what it really, they're supposed to have written down there. But anyway, so they were ignorant or ignorant of the righteousness of God that God ascribes, which makes one acceptable to him in word, thought, and deed. Now, how many are glad of God's righteousness? Amen? See, before we met Christ, there's no way we could become righteous. Religion will never make you righteous. Relationship is what makes us righteous. In other words, religion will never make us worthy. Jesus made us worthy. Jesus made us righteousness by his love, by his grace, amen? So it goes on and says they were ignorant of this, and seeking to establish a righteousness or their own righteousness or a means of salvation of their own. And isn't that what happens? When we're ignorant of the truth, we still want a righteousness, we still want to feel good about ourselves, we still want to, we still want to be right, so we establish our own rules. 
You know that every humanoid in the world, every human being in the world has their own set of righteousness established. I didn't say it was the right set. I didn't say it was the right righteousness. I didn't say it was the scriptural one. But everyone has a system of righteousness. What they think is right and what they think is wrong. True? Yeah, true. And here's the danger of that. We're not judged by our own definition of it. We're judged by God's definition of it. Amen? Notice it goes on and says, they did not obey or submit themselves to God's righteousness. Now many times to understand uh, scriptures, I'll read them from the bottom up. So let's kind of reverse this. They did not obey or submit themselves to God's righteousness. So they did not obey, the word submit means to obey. They did not obey or submit. So what did they do? They went about to establish their own righteousness. Why? Because the first part, they were ignorant of God's righteousness. Do you see that? Does that help you understand this a little bit better? Now let's go back to that last part again. Look Look at the last statement. It says, they did not obey or submit. Now here's a word that, you know, Americans are not very good with. We're just not very good at submission. Why? Because we had to fight for our freedoms. Here in Texas, man, we're, we were our, we're, we're the only of all the states that were our own republic. We had to fight for something. We had to fight for our freedom. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? We had, now I know some of you aren't from Texas, but you got here as quickly as you could. But, <laughs> but in, and I, I was a missionary to Oklahoma for 25 years, so I get it. So I, I understand what it's like. But we, as Americans, we had to fight for something. Texans, we had to fight for something for our independence. So we're not all that good at submission. We're not all that good at submission. But when it comes to the kingdom of God, it's necessary if we're going to have all that God's righteousness affords us, we've got to learn to submit to him. Now here's what the word submit means. It's an easy word. Any, any Navy or, or, or uh, Marines, any sailors here, uh, former sailors, I know we're in the middle of the country. Right back there, we got one in the sound booth and, and one on the screen. But look, look at this word. It's, it's two syllables, but also it comes from two root, root words, submit. Now, what, what, what does sub mean? Under. So the word submarine, marine means water. So submarine means underwater, a vessel that goes underwater. So the word sub means under. The word mitt, we don't use that word except mittens or baseball mitt. You know, this is the baseball playoffs time, a baseball mitt, but that's not where this comes from. This word mitt means to move or position. So the word submit here means to reposition or to move under God's righteousness. So what is God asking me to do? To move my life under his right standing and under his righteousness. Here's a problem with most American Christians. We do our own thing 
We establish our own set of rules, our own little belief system, and then what do we do? We ask God to bless our system. We ask God to bless our path. When it's his path that's already blessed. It's his way that's already blessed. It's his way that's already performing in the wisdom of God. It's his way that needs to be my way. Amen. Amen. It's not my way that I want him to bless. Now, I, I had to learn that. My brother and I grew up in a broken home, and we grew up in the projects and, and, and the hood of, of North Fort Worth and, and, and East Dallas. This is not a good place for kids. We had peeping toms. I mean, it was bad. We, we either threw the Fort Worth Star-Telegram or the Dallas Morning News, and we had to use those leftover newspapers of people that did not want them to paper mache our windows of our bedrooms because the peeping toms would look in because we had no blinds or curtains. We had no car, no phone. We had no, no television. Can you imagine today a teenager with no phone or television? So we grew up on the streets. Our, our dad was, was, was a, a addicted to gambling and he was always gone on rodeos and, and, and uh, my parents separated when I was four years old and, and, and he was a deadbeat dad. He did not pay any child support. Our mom did the best she could. She held down good jobs, but, but she, she, you know, women didn't make much money in the late 50s and early 60s. And difficulty after difficulty, we rode the bus to, to the supermarket and to the laundry you know, it's, it's, it's a pretty demeaning thing to carry your laundry on a city, city bus. And they turn the curb and, and, and get up on the curb and, and your, your underwear goes out in the aisle. It's pretty intimidating. That's how we grew up. And instead of our mom turning to God, even though she was raised in church, she turned to two bottles. She turned to the beer bottle and the pill bottle. And it wasn't until just five years ago when her mom was in her late 70s that my brother and I actually got her off of drugs. Now think about that. Now she'd been delivered several times by the power of the word, by the power of the Holy Ghost. And God will do that for anyone. But there comes a time, now listen to me, there comes a time where we be no more children tossed to and fro. Yeah, come on. That we stand up on our own two feet. That's right. That we grow up in God ourselves and we put our reliance on the word and on him and not on the gifts or someone else's power of prayer. It's good. It's good, amen. You know that I won't marry anyone as a, as a pastor and as a minister. I will not marry anyone until they are completely independent. Each, each individual the bride, the groom, until they're completely independent, spirit, soul, and body. If you're not completely independent, in other words, if you won't stand on your own two feet spiritually, you'll make a lousy husband and a lousy wife. Okay, that's a different seminar, hallelujah. I know Joe McGee was here, but I could do a better job than Joe. But anyway, (laughs) please tell him I said that. We're good friends, but anyway. It's it's so vital that we see here that we must be submitted to his word. And the word submit simply means obey. Now real quick, speaking of the Navy, you know that the aircraft carriers that we have today 
have a minimum of 5,000 sailors on them. The average age on those aircraft carriers is 19. Can you find 5,000 19 year olds here in this county that you would trust with nuclear weapons? How does it work? And not only that, with every carrier group, there's 100 ships and vessels. There's a hospital ship. That's a whole separate hospital, that's all they do. They have an infirmary, you know, small little units and a a dentist on the aircraft carrier, but they have a whole hospital to support all that group. There are frigates, there are destroyers, there are battleships, there are minesweepers, there are submarines, there are supply ships. they, They travel with these aircraft carriers. And you got a bunch of teenagers doing all the work. Pray for the military, pray. Now don't misunderstand me, I love teenagers, but how do they make it happen? They make it happen through submission. They make it happen through authority. They make it happen through obedience. Come on now. Are you hearing what I'm saying? These authority levels are necessary in order for us to have the greatest and the most powerful military in all the earth. You think with 100 vessels, they'd be running into each other every night. But they don't do it. Why? Because they're submitted. And you've seen the television shows, you've seen the movies, you saw Top Gun, and you saw on the deck of that aircraft carrier, all these guys have different colored outfits on, different helmets, different vests, different different clothing on. Why is that? Because every one of them is color-coded. It's so loud out, out there, not even with the jets and the helicopters, it's just loud out there in the wind and the waves. It's so loud they can't hear each other communicate, so they use language, and those, and those color-coded outfits help them communicate. And every one of those guys has a different duty. Every one of those young sailor girls has a different duty, a responsibility. And they're all submitted. And you're never out of position. If you're out of position, it's a very dangerous thing on an aircraft carrier. When you got jets, taking off and landing. You got helicopters. And if you fell off the side of the deck, it's 75 to 100 feet down to the water. If you survived that, the undertow would get you. And the great big propellers that are as tall as this room would cut you to pieces and you'd be fish bait. Here's my point. Rarely do those accidents happen because of submission to authority. Imagine if the body of Christ were truly submitted. Think how powerful we could become. Amen? Amen. Now look at verse four. Now verse four, I'm gonna read it it to you in the King James real quick. It says, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. So what what Paul the apostle is doing here, he's contrasting the difference between righteousness of the law and the righteousness of faith. Are you seeing this? And he's getting us to focus on the righteousness which is of faith. And so he says here in the, in the Amplified, now, now I call the Amplified the female version because it's a lot more detailed. And my wife says, well that's why you love it so much. 
for Christ is the end of the law, the limit at which it ceases to be. For the law leads up to him who is the fulfillment of its type. So he, the, it's, Paul is saying that Christ is the fulfillment. He's the end. He's the completion of the law. All of the law of the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, all of the works, all of the, 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 the righteousness that man was trying to ascribe to, it all pointed to Christ. Amen. It wasn't Christ, it was a type of Christ. It was a shadow of Christ. So when you have people today, and this goes on right here in Texas, you have people today trying to get you to go back to the Torah and practice Old Testament rituals. Are you hearing me now? There's a whole group of people. There's even a TV station in West Texas, Eastern New Mexico that promotes this. They're trying to get people to go back to the Old Covenant and Old Testament rituals, but the problem with that, that's like having a relationship with someone's shadow instead of having a relationship directly with them. Thank God Jesus came so we could have a, a relationship, a personal, intimate relationship with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. So it says, for the law leads up to him who is the fulfillment of its types. So in the next part, see, in the King James, it would already, it was just one screen, but the, the Amplified just keeps going. And in him, the purpose which it was designed to accomplish is fulfilled. So the purpose of the law was fulfilled in Christ. That is the purpose of the law is fulfilled in him. Say in him. As the means of righteousness. Now look at this next part. Right relationship to God. That's what righteousness means. It means right wise with God or right standing with God. Remember what the King James says to everyone who believeth Notice what it says here, for everyone who trusts in and adheres to and relies on him. You know, a lot of Christians say, oh yes, I'm in faith, pastor. Oh, pastor, I'm believing God. But do you really trust in him? Is all your trust in him? If all your trust is in, not in him, you're not believing him. You're not in faith. If you're not stuck on him, that's what it here means. If you're not stuck on him, in other words, you're not just trying him, you're stuck on him. You're not letting go of him. He's not letting go, but we're the ones who let go, right? I like to say it this way. Grace is God's grip on us. Faith is our grip on him. And his grip is always stronger than ours. He'll never let go, but our faith must never let go. We need to be stuck on him, not stuck on self. Because every one of us are stuck on something. Hopefully we're not SOS, stuck on stupid. But if we're stuck on self, we're stuck on stupid. So let's be stuck on him. Let's stick to him, stay with him, no matter what, I'm not letting go of him. No matter what anybody else would do. I mean, if, 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 if whoever, if pastor gave up on God, I'm not giving up on God. Amen. If the person who led you to Christ gave up on the word, I'm not giving up on the word. And that's happened to many of us. Amen. Not only does it mean trust in, 
adhere to, it means rely on. So faith and believing means that I totally trust Jesus, I totally am stuck on him, and I completely rely on him, spirit, soul, and body. My wife and I made this decision 34 years ago, August, when we walked the aisle and we gave ourselves to each other. We'd already given ourselves to Christ, but we gave ourselves to each other and we said, from this day forward, and we'd already made that commitment individually, but now we're coming together. The Bible says one can put a thousand a flight, two can put 10,000 a flight. From that day forward, we put our whole trust in him. We put our whole reliance on him. We put all of our stick to in him. So much so, he's not only our provider, he's our healer, he's our physician. He's our peace, he's our joy, he's our protection. Come on, are you hearing me? He's my everything. Whatever I have need of, it's in him. Amen? You see, because Jesus said it this way, and you're gonna help me finish the scripture, says it in the gospels, I am the vine, you are the? We're the branch. In other words, when I become born again, you become born again, Everything that's in Christ is now in me. Whoa. Is Christ depressed? No, then then I'm not going to be depressed. Hello? Is he he offended? And then I'm not going to be offended. Are are you hearing me? We'll pray for toes when the service dismisses in a moment. Are you sure Christ is not on Prozac? Yes. Now I'm not stepping on anybody. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm just saying it's important to put our trust in him. It's important to put our reliance on him. So 35 years ago, August, we make that decision, that declaration before God and before each other. And from that day, We've not been in the hospital. We've never had to have a family doctor. We've never had a Tylenol, an aspirin. We've never had an ibuprofen. We've never had an antibiotic in our bodies. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We've not needed to. Now here's my point. If you have meds, don't stop them. But don't you dare trust in them. Put your trust in him and you'll find out you'll not need them any longer. Are you hearing me? Put your whole trust in him. I said that to a congregation in New Jersey one time, 45 minutes from New York. And there was a man on the front row, I didn't know, and he had a whole row of people with him. He was a doctor. And he brought his whole clinic that he owned. He had a whole team of doctors. It was their first Sunday. And lo and behold, when I made those statements, I'm standing right in front of them. I didn't know who they were. (laughs) Come to find out, pastor, 
Every morning he was taking a handful of pills. Every day at lunch he's taking a handful of pills. And every night before he went to bed he's taking a handful of pills. And I knew he was getting red during the service. I just thought it was his heart rate and perhaps it was. It was blood pressure. He was so angry at me. I didn't know that. The pastor told me afterward, you had no idea the sacred cows, the medical sacred cows that you just kicked over. That doctor is a partner of ours today. Why? Because for the three weeks after I was there, every time he took a handful of pills, he remembered what I said. Don't put your trust in those pills. Put your trust in the Lord. And he was mad at me those first two weeks. He was so angry at me, but he'd pop him and he'd drink his water. Pop him and drink his water. Be so angry. The pastor said he probably cursed you, knowing him at the time. But then that third week he asked the Lord, Lord, what's the deal about this? He said, I want you to put your trust in me. He didn't stop taking the pills, but he changed his trust. And soon he started to get sick, Pastor, when he was taking those pills, he started to get sick. He went to one of his doctor friends, they did some blood tests on him. They said, you're you're taking these pills, these pills are making you sick. That happens over and over again. So don't put your trust in anything but the Lord. That doesn't mean throw away your pills. That doesn't mean get rid of insurance. It means don't put your trust in it. Does that help anybody? Hallelujah. That's important. Now look at verse verse six real quick. Verse six. He says, but faith, or excuse me, the righteousness which is of faith speaks on this wise. In other words, the righteousness of faith speaks. The righteousness of faith has a language. Now look at verse eight. You can read the other ones in between. But it says, what saith it? But what does the righteousness of faith say? The word is nigh thee in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. Church, I have good news for you. You go to a church that preaches the word of faith. A lot of people say, well, my, my pastor, he preaches the word. He is, he is a word man. He preaches a word. I mean, but if it's doubt, fear, unbelief, doom and gloom, it's not the word. There is only one word in this book, and that is the word of faith. There's no word of doubt. There's no word of fear here. It is only the word of faith. If it's not the word of faith, it's not the word. Amen. So that's what we're supposed to be speaking. That's the language of this righteousness which is of faith. There is a righteousness of the law, but it's been done away with. Hallelujah. We now have a better covenant in Jesus Christ. And it's the righteousness which is of faith. It's so different that John, the only first Baptist, said, there's a new sheriff coming to town, get ready. Get ready. There's a new way of serving God. He's gonna change everything. Get ready. Repent. Repent simply means change your mind. You gotta be willing to change your mind. You gotta be willing to alter your 
paradigm. In other words, you've got to have a paradigm shift in your thinking to think of the righteousness of faith versus the righteousness of the law. That's what John the Baptist was trying to tell people. And he told them with a leather girdle and a camel hair coat, not one you buy at a fine men's store, but a smelly camel hair coat. I don't know if you've ever been in the Middle East, but uh, camels really stink. Worse than the zoo uh, camels. The zoo, they give camels a bath. In, in the wild, they don't give camels baths. And they have worse breath. So here's John the Baptist in a camel hair coat, and he's eating grasshoppers dipped in honey. So he's probably got grasshopper feet in his teeth. I mean, this is not a normal preacher. This guy was wild. And he's coming, he's saying there's a new sheriff coming to town, there's a new way of serving God, and you're gonna have to follow that way or you're gonna lose everything. What was he telling him? You're gonna have to learn the righteousness which is of faith. And it has a language. All of the occupations, all of the careers represented in this room tonight, whatever occupation that is, if it's medical, if it's finance, if it's banking, if it's construction, if it's FedEx, if, it, if, if it's uh, no matter what, if it's uh, medical or, or, or I already said that, if it's uh, education, there's a language, there's a vernacular involved in that education, in that career, in your position, and it's incessant upon you, it's necessary upon you to learn the language, to learn the vernacular, and they send you to school for it, they send you to classes for it, they send you to CES or continuing education seminars and, and all kinds of conferences so you can learn the new language, so you can learn the new, correct? Are you an EMT, sir? What are, are you an EMT? Air med? Paramedic. There's a language involved with paramedics. If you're on an accident <clears throat> and you show up and there's a a very trauma, traumatic situation going on and you have to, you have to uh, stabilize that individual. That's the primary thing that paramedics do. They stabilize, para means alongside. They're coming alongside the medical professionals. They're not doctors, but they come alongside doctors. They're, a, they're basically a doctor on the run. And there's equipment involved. And it's necessary that they walk in that walk in that position and they learn that vernacular. You, when the doctor asks you about the particular situation or at the hospital, when you phone in and you tell them what, what the vitals are, et cetera, I know it's all done digitally now, but, but if you, in the old days, you'd phone them in and you'd talk to them. You couldn't, they'd ask you a question. You couldn't say, well, I'm not sure. They, they, have, a, they have a thingamajig coming out of their mouth and you know, the whatchamacallit is really giving them problems. You're not gonna keep your job very long if you do that. In fact, that patient could die. But for some reason, even though we completely understand this in every area of life, for some reason when it comes to God, we fully expect God to just get stuff to us even though we never wanna learn the language. Well, you know, God knows I'm sick. You know, he, he knows I need healing. 
That's like saying, well, you know, the banker, you know, he knows I'm broke. He knows I need money. No, you're going to have to go submit. You're going to have to go, you're going to have to come under their authority. Come on. You're going to have to learn their language. Never forget one time, you know, you know, when our teenagers are 13, 14, 15, they know everything and we, we cease to know anything. But it's funny. It, it's really cool now, you know. It, 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 we don't get these anymore because our kids are in their 30s. But when they were in their 20s, it was really fun to take those phone calls. Dad, uh, what, is, what does APR mean? April. No, 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 Dad, not, 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 no, no, I'm filling out a, a financial application. Uh, what means April? No, Dad, that's not what it means. And that was really fun. And I'd say, so now you don't know something and I know something? Go ahead and borrow that, no extra charge for that. You, you parents, you up and coming parents, use that as much as you want. One more verse and I'll quit. Second Corinthians chapter three. Verse 18, 2 Corinthians chapter three, verse 18. Now look at this. We'll just look at it in the Amplified. It says, in all of us as with unveiled face because we continued to behold in the word of God. In other words, I continued to behold. I continued to look into the word as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are constantly being transfigured into his very own image and its ever increasing splendor from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the spirit. Now notice something. This word, it says changed in the King James. It says when we look into the word like this, we continually behold in the word. In other words, I'm stuck to this. I'm relying on it, I'm stuck to it, I'm counting on it, amen? I'm totally trusting in the word. That means I'm looking into the word to dress my life every day, not the world. The world's ideologies are further and further away from this world, aren't they? So that means I need to be more focused and more disciplined in these last days. I've gotta continue to look into the word because the word is no longer out there in the public for the most part. It's no longer in the school system. So I've gotta to continue to look into this word to dress my life by the word. And instead of going from one degree of chaos to another, one degree of crisis to another, I can go from one degree of glory to another degree of glory. As long as I continue to look in this word. It says I'm transfigured. Now here's this word. It's also the word change, it's the word transformed in Romans 12 too. It's only used three times in the whole New Testament. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know that verse. Here's the word, it's a Greek word. You're gonna recognize it. You're gonna recognize the, the basis of it. It is metamorpho, from which we get the word metamorphosis. So what did Paul the apostle just say to us? When we look into this word and we do it, we submit to it, we obey it, we are literally changed from the inside out. We are transformed, translated from the inside out because this is what this word means. Meta is the prefix that means to exchange. I know you can't all see that. Morphu means Outward form. 
Paul the apostle said, when we look into this Bible, when we look into this word, and we learn the vernacular of faith, the righteousness which is a faith, and we sink our whole teeth into this thing, I mean, we're totally committed and relying upon it. I'm sticking with it. I'm never not going to try it. I'm going to commit to it. When I do this, I'm transformed from the inside out. And people will actually be able to see the change. It's not secret. Five years ago, I went to my 35th high school reunion. I'd never had an unction to go, never had a desire to go, but I knew I was supposed to go. And on the Friday night, I'm sitting over in a corner in the hotel suite of the class president. And about 40 or 50 of us are in this big suite. And I'm sitting over in a corner with my feet on the ottoman. And in walks our six foot five, 250 pound All-American linebacker, who's still the leading tackler at Oklahoma University. Now do you ladies, just like my wife, she said, does that mean he's still playing and he's still tackling? No, that meant that he set a record for the tackles and it hasn't been broken yet. So that means Brian Bosworth didn't break his record. All these great players that have come through OU still haven't broken this guy's record. He was drafted by the Oilers and played for the Houston Oilers many years and was all pro. He was trans, uh, tr- uh, traded to the Dolphins and played in a number of years. He walked in, he looked like he could still play. He's in great shape. Amazing guy. And he sat down at the ottoman, right there by me. This is his first time to a reunion. This is my first time to reunion. And he sat down there and he said, George, I hear you're a preacher, how's that going? I began to tell him of what God's done in my life. And I said, Daryl, I know you went away from the Lord for a period of time. He had a great parents. You walked away from the Lord for a period of time. What are you doing now? He said, man, I need God, I've lost everything. I've lost all my money, I lost my marriage. I don't even have a good relationship with my daughter. He's working in a warehouse. He's a warehouseman in Houston. It's not air conditioned. Here's this all pro NFL linebacker, all American at OU three years. I said, Daryl, let's pray. You wanna pray, you wanna get back right with God? Man, I wanna get right with God. And actually I found out the pastor had never prayed the sinner's prayer before. He prayed with me. Three weeks later, He was jogging and dropped dead of a heart attack. Now I know why the Lord had me there. And the Lord had him there. And what was cool, Pastor, is he and his daughter had made amends in those three weeks and were having a great time together. And wonderful things are happening in their lives. He saw something in me that was different than high school. People will see something different in you than what they used to see. When you commit to the word, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this word. Thank you for this great church that you placed here long ago to make a difference in this community, in this region, and even in the world. Thank you, Lord, for Pastor Don and Jessamy for what the gifts and callings of God upon their lives. 
that have brought stability, strength, encouragement to this body. Thank you, Lord, for all this great staff and volunteers and workers, Lord, that have committed to this work. And I thank you, Lord, that there are many in this room that have made that decision to sell out, to trust in, stick to, and rely on you. So much so that their prayers are answered. But perhaps others, Lord, they've had difficulty in getting their prayers answered. They've had difficulty making the right decisions. And Father, I just pray for them right now. Let's all pray this out, out loud. Would you do it? Heavenly Father, I believe in you. From this night forward, I put my whole trust, my whole reliance upon you. I will not break from you. I will stay stuck on you, stuck on your word. I believe that you raised Jesus from the dead. I confess Jesus not only as my Savior, but as my Lord. I submit to him to obey your word, obey your voice, in Jesus' name. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.